We are many and we will not be silenced. We are many and we will not be silenced. We are many and we will not be silenced. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Hi, witches. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, so I think we probably teased this on the Instagrams and whatnot, but we're going to start doing a full moon episodes of Witches Found. We just got so excited by the people that we're meeting, and we just wanted to spend more time with all of you. So, <laughs> this is the first episode of that, um, and that also means if you're listening to this and you've been like humbly um, working your magic in some dark, powerful corner somewhere and thinking, I should probably reach out to them. I have some cool stories to tell. We want you to know that we would like you to do that, please. <laughs> Hello, friends. We Hello, want to Coven. Talk to all Hello, of sisters. You. <laughs> uh, so that's my that's my welcome and my plea. And um, with that, let's introduce the first of our full moon witches found. Yes. Before I let you speak, Melissa, um, <laughs> I uh, heard about your doc through uh, Loretta. AKA the Death Witch, who mm-hmm. lives in the States. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, we actually have friends in common, and you happen to be in Montreal. Exactly. And so here we are. Don't you all just love being a witch? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Montreal connection. So, yeah, I found out that you guys were Canadian, and then somehow, how did we figure out the connection? But what, if you're from Montreal, you know someone from Montreal. Yeah, you're only, like, sure. one person, like, well, detached. I'll or... tell you how it went for me. My uh, girlfriend that is also a girlfriend of yours wrote to me and was like, a friend of mine is working on this documentary. I should put you guys in touch. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then I was like, wait a second. Is this that witch documentary? And she was like, I think so. And then before she even wrote that message, you wrote to us. Wow. And I was like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I kind of... I, I thought for a second, I was like, okay, they're from Montreal, we're going to have that connection, mm. but it was really cool to find out that, you know, I'm in Vancouver, you guys are here, my producing partner's in Toronto, but somehow, like, we're all touching on this subject and coming together and magically meeting each other, which is mm. awesome, so awesome. Mm. So that's why I wanted to meet you in person, because yes. I'm tired of the internet, yeah. <laughs> and I want real-life connections, I want to see people, yeah. you know? So I'm so glad to be here today. And well, I mean, seeing people is a good... Uh, intro to your documentary because it's a film documentary. I yeah. mean, we're all kind of doing the same project where we're going around and gathering stories mm. from witches, and ours happens to be in podcast form. Yours is a visual medium. Is that part of it that you wanted to go and meet these people in person? Definitely. I mean, a huge part of it is um, once I started looking into the subject as a doc subject and not just as something that was like in my own life in various ways. Um, I started reaching out to witches, I guess, mainly in the U.S., and realizing that every conversation I had was blowing my mind. (laughs) And I was like, this is incredible. Um, And I felt alive for, like, the first time in a long time. I was like, I'm not alone. I'm not kind of... My worldview is shared by so many other people, and there are people that I totally respect and want to have really long Skype conversations with. So the initial research phase of our project before, I guess now we'd say we're in development to production, uh, was lots of Skype interviews. So me and my partner, um, 
We Skyped uh, Brie Luna. We Skyped Chani Nicholas. Mm-hmm. We Skyped with Michael Hughes, the Bind Trump um, amazing dude who I could talk to for hours. Um, the House Witch in Salem. So we reached out Pam Grossman, people like that, and who everyone had their own take. Um, the film is very much about magic resistance, so there's always a political kind of leaning to the conversations that we've been having. Um, but I just felt like something clicked in my own brain and in my own life, and very similar to your podcast where you're looking for these missing witches. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was missing them. I just was like, this, I felt alive, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that was two years ago. <laughs> um, the nice thing I think about missing witches is you guys can do this setup. It's pretty reasonable, like financially, yeah. to, it's sustainable. The annoying part about the documentary that we want to make is that it's going to cost like almost a million dollars, or it could cost anywhere between 400000 to a million dollars. And so fundraising is like a huge thing that we've been working on. And both me and my partner, Sarah Sharkey Pierce, we are moms, we have busy lives, we have jobs. And so we've been doing this kind of on the side of our desk, so to speak. Um, but we're unable to like let go. It's just been driving us and getting us through and something that we're so dedicated to. So, um, yeah, so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> you it's been a long journey. It's you been mentioned an amazing that journey. your doc has like a political thrust, and obviously Risa and I believe that witchcraft and activism are inexorably linked. But can you tell us the little story, and you don't have to mention any names of any company names, mm-hmm. but the story about having a meeting. Yeah, so um, part of the pitch process is, you know, approaching different broadcasters, different um, funding organizations, and kind of showing them your demo and explaining to them who your characters are and what you're following. And we have been told that uh, we have too much of a political lean, that our, we are trying... That we're not the idea, our idea of a witch isn't necessarily everyone's commodification of the witch, and so yeah. uh, it's maybe that's why it's been harder for us. Yeah. Um, because you know sometimes people are like, well, why is there a man in this documentary? <laughs> or um, you know, this isn't kind of how I picture witches, and it's like our the people that we want to follow in our doc we think are you know a perfect kind of slice of life of the witch community um, and there are queer witches and trans witches it's a very um, intersectional cast we want people to see the stakes we want people to see um, why people are using witchcraft and what how it affects them and how you know the current political situation affects them personally so you know not to rag on anyone, and, you know, we're sitting here and we're all white women, but, you know, this isn't necessarily a white feminist witch documentary that everyone wants to see of a certain uh, generation, I would mm-hmm. say. So mm-hmm. this is, like, the new real deal witchcraft, um, what people are doing now and why they're using witchcraft is, it's, um, I mean, if you if you study it and you go back in time, like, they hexed, they hexed Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um they have been magic resistance is something that's happened throughout the ages. This isn't like a new phenomenon, and, and it always comes up when people feel the most oppressed. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the reasons why we wanted to start with conjure and hoodoo and um, I guess like Southern American magic, even though that's really not like our story to tell, and that story will be told by a black director, and we will be hiring someone who will be telling that story with us. Um, but the reason we wanted to start there is because the roots of that magic are 
um, that that magic is rooted in oppression. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought it was the most logical place to start to tell that story. I I sometimes don't like talking about it because I'm I'm white, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But so that's why in our film we have, like, Dr. Beverly um, Smith, who is a conjure doctor, who can tell her story and she can talk about how conjure and hoodoo was brought over here by African slaves and how that magic was used to protect to um, make someone invisible, Mm -hmm. to um, ward off, you know, whatever was the the thing that was going to happen to them that day. It was stuff that was really needed, and that magic has permeated the rest of um, North American magic or American magic and is now being used all over the place because people are feeling that oppression again. Mm -hmm. So um, Loretta, the Death Witch, was kind of my conduit, like my person into that world. The witch is the rebel, you know? The witch is the person that isn't afraid to stand alone. The witch is the person that's not afraid to stand, period. The witch is the person that stands in their own truth and fights back and is willing to risk it all to just hold their own power. Loretta, the death witch, along with another witch, Kook Teflon, who is from Seattle and she moved to New Orleans, and they kind of hooked me up with a lot of really interesting people um, who could talk about that? That's not my world to talk about. Um, but we think it's a really important place to start because that's like, that is magic resistance. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, like, we're all sort of kind of journalists mm-hmm. in, in what we're doing. You know, Risa and I don't pretend to be the high priestesses of the universe. Of anything. <laughs> of anything, you know, or, or that um, we even practice conjure, but we definitely know how important it is to the story of magic. And so... Um, that's how I get around that feeling of uh, imposter or this is not my story to tell is that um, number one I certainly don't want to only be telling white stories exactly I mean my god (laughs) that's the last thing I want I don't find that particularly interesting Um, but secondly is that again we're we're sharing information and we're going and we're talking to people who practice for real yeah yeah exactly and it's like a way in and um I think it's an important part of the of that story. Um, I guess, yeah, like my own background, um, I guess the first, I mean, I was very goth growing up. So, you know, I dabbled and I've done spells on bosses in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of always, I've always been really in the rock and roll, punk, metal scene, like Hail Satan, stuff like that. But I've never intersection (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think um, my first kind of encounter or experience with witchcraft was uh, my friend's mom growing up, the filmmaker Donna Reed. So she made three films for the NFB. That's the National Film Board of Canada, for those of you who are listening (laughs) (laughs) from this country. It's like PBS, I guess, Mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. Um, So she made The Burning Times and then The Goddess Trilogy. And, I mean, I remember uh, being a teenager and thinking to myself, like, so this woman is a witch and a documentary filmmaker, and how do I become that? (laughs) And here I am. And here you are. Yeah, so she was one of the first people that I reached out to. Um, She's a very close friend of Starhawk, and she's been involved in the reclaiming community since, you know, the very early days. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as an aside, if you haven't seen The Burning Times, uh, it's on YouTube or on the NFB website. You can watch it for free, so please do. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing there is a lot of the information in the Burning Times has now 
not all of it was fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff came out between then and now that has kind of shone a light on, you know, numbers and facts that maybe aren't as true as they used to be. But, you know, people thought they were true then, and that's really the important thing. Um, but those films had, you know, Margot Adler and, like, all kinds of really interesting witches in them. And, um, and yeah, I digress. Uh, so, so I kind of... you wanted to be a, a witch documentary. Exactly. No, so I reached out to her, and the first person she put me in contact with was Starhawk. And she was like you've got to help Melissa. She's a struggling <laughs> filmmaker and you've got to get her an interview. And it was so cute. And I felt really like just, it was the first thing I tried to do and it had gone so well. Wow. And so we were in touch with Starhawk and we have plans to interview her. She's obviously super busy. Yeah. Um, but then that was like, you know, the first kind of, the first door that we opened. And, um, and then we just decided like, you know, why not try to tell the definitive story uh, like, let's reach out to the biggest witches, the most interesting, the real witches who can tell the definitive story. Um, not just, you know, I think in the early days we were thinking, like, you know, let's find um, an interesting coven, maybe in Canada, who are doing some cool stuff. And we were like, but why not go, why not make an update of the Burning Times? Like, why don't we go back and say, this is how things were going in the 80s, and this is how we viewed feminist witchcraft in the 80s. How do we see it now? Has it evolved? It has evolved a lot. Um, and, you know, they were pioneers, and people like Star- Starhawk pioneered this movement, but we have a huge opportunity now to show how much it's grown. Yeah. Um, and we also have access to some witches that, you know, like this, the crones and the, 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 the guides and the teachers of, our, of, of this generation and movement who are still here and can still offer those that insight so we really wanted to make sure that we had a cross-generational cast and so hopefully we'll be able to do that too i did talk to maxine sanders in london who had uh very close ties to gerald gardner and like she's very you know Mm -hmm. the the early wiccan days um it was an amazing conversation but you know, just thinking that people have been doing things like the hex on Hitler and this happened, like, they, they really believe, you know, the cone of power that they did prevented Hitler from, that and the Nazis from coming to England, yeah. and you're like, there's a legacy here. There's a huge story to tell, so we're hoping that, you know, that's, that's the story we're aiming to tell. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we go back to the burning times and say, where have we come from there, you know? Um... And then, yeah, like, sometimes I'm like, well, we have an opportunity with, like, digital media to host all kinds of stuff. So you can have a broadcast documentary that's an hour and a half long, but who's to say how much archive stuff you could host somewhere that becomes a real resource, you know? Like what you guys do, like, in in fact, you know? (laughs) Like it's a resource, you know? Like for research and for people to to learn and um, go back to, and it's a document that stays there. Yeah. And I think, like, since... Nothing's really been done like that since probably those... The the Goddess Trilogy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, for us, it was, like, to educate ourselves. We didn't really think anybody else would listen <laughs> so much. So it's been... I mean, you talk... You, met, you sort of reference, like, having these interviews and feeling all the hairs on your body stand on end because yeah. you're like, 
this is the thing. Like, this is the thing that I thought was out there. Yeah. This is the, like, living, breathing. This is the this is the way to talk about magic that makes sense. Well, I'm talking to you right now, and I want to tell the story of how we ended up in this artist's studio, because shining behind you, <laughs> there's this, like, beautiful um, spiral string painting. It's completely elaborate, and it's, like, it's like humming with the life of the magic of these women <laughs> behind you as you talk. It feels really intense. Oh, wow. But we were we were looking for a place to record our Yule special and to get to meet with you and post it on Instagram. And someone tagged an artist who has a space in the same studio that we were going to be. And she invited us to come be here because she's a listener. And Jennifer Hamilton is this incredible artist. We're surrounded by these, like, spirals and pentagrams and plants. <laughs> and you realize that, like, even in your friend network, there were people quietly practicing. Like, even people one step removed from you. There were women that you were hanging out with at parties that you... I wouldn't bring I wouldn't bring my my private ritual to a conversation at a party, you know? Like I wouldn't bring my seeking or my my feeling that like I I miss religion but I don't want one of those ones, you know? Like I, mm-hmm. those aren't things that come up for me that often, but in doing these podcasts to get to meet these witches is like incredibly powerful. I wonder if you would tell us things that they told you or moments that stand out in your mind where you were like you felt the you felt the cone of power go up around <laughs> you. <laughs> Uh, hmm. That's a tough one because I guess, I mean, I think like every time I interview with someone, I feel like we go into almost a trance where we're communicating so freely about um, so many different things um, from like talking about justice and freedom work and um, emotions and just how hard it is to wake up in the morning or, you know, yeah. you really get, um, I think a lot of which, which is, I think which is, um, once they connect or once you connect with someone you realize that you're both kind of on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. you go places in the conversation that you're never expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, it's hard to say to answer that exact question, but, Every time I feel like it's a new adventure, so it's like really exciting, um, and also just getting to know um, myself through the conversations. Mm-hmm. So, like when you said you're learning, mm-hmm. um, for me, uh, like I definitely that resonates because every time I learn something about someone else's practice that I didn't know or I couldn't put into my own practice, or I can learn more about. Um, and then I think I think the biggest thing for me is the empathy, mm. um, and especially I mean not only with women but I, I think witches in general the, um, these days there tends to be like a very strong community and feeling of support, mm. and I feel like that is something that I'd never really experienced as strongly. Mm. Um, so. I'd say that's the stuff that's really impacted my life. Like, mm-hmm. it's changed who I am in, like, lots of different ways. Um, just that knowing that you're not alone and knowing that everyone has your back in this. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants this story to be told the right way. And, and there's room for everyone to have their um, perspective heard. And there's so much honor that comes with that and so much patience for one another that you don't find in regular society, you Mm -hmm. know? 
So, but I can't think of one thing that stands out right now. I mean, I can think of people that have blown my mind. Um, so, like Ilva Mara, who um, from the Cunning Crow Apothecary in Seattle, she is a an incredible witch who um, has become like someone who I turn to for advice. And she's been with us on this project kind of since the early days. We are many, and we will not be silenced. Mayor Jenny Durkin and those you've elected and appointed to your office, we find you guilty of crimes against the most vulnerable members of this city by permitting the gathering of Jolie Gibson, Matt Marshall, and their followers. You are guilty of white supremacist terrorism and collusion with Nazis. Ilva Mara. Uh, also, um, Dr. Beverly Smith, who's in the, uh, we have some clips of her on our Instagram. What Conjure aims to do is to control the oppressor, to flip the narrative, to give power to those who are powerless. So when I say resist magically, there's physical resistance, like when I and others go and protest in public walk the streets, do sit-ins in front of the police department, and then there's magical resistance. When I take effigies of the police and bind them with snake shed and go throw their ass in the, in, in, in the graveyard. It's just people that you're like, I just feel honored to know them, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and I feel, yeah. I, I felt my heart rate increase when I watched those clips of Dr. Beverly. Yeah, like immediately. She's very powerful. She's very powerful. Yeah. And that interview, I remember like, I barely said anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, at like, yeah, it just came out of her and uh, me and our DPs up just sat there like, wow. like, mm-hmm. and, and same with Professor Porterfield. Like you really just sit there and the interview a lot of times, yeah, there's not that many questions. They have these nuggets of information and knowledge that they blow your mind with and you're just kind of feel lucky that you are able to talk to them on that about it so closely and yeah you know it was like that for me I guess when I did my I did a talk about um gentrification and punk venues in Vancouver closing and I got to interview some people for that doc like um, Ogre from Skinny Puppy and I remember it was the same feeling when I interviewed Ogre I was like oh my god and sorry the name of that documentary was No Fun City City yeah, yeah. No Fun City check it out yeah um, and I remember actually when I interviewed him um, I got the interview through a friend who was promoting the show, and I did this amazing interview with him because he was from Vancouver, just about having space to congregate and play shows and music. And there's a lot of parallels with, you know, needing community and needing to, um, you know, I often thought, like, rock and roll was kind of like church for me. I went every weekend and mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I worshipped at the altar of whatever band I was watching mm-hmm. and I saw the same people and we all had this kind of, you know, when I had my kid I stopped going out as much and I think that's really where I kind of turned into it, it shifted a little bit and I found that I could access a different part of me and uh, that's where witchcraft has right. become really useful for me now. Um, but anyways, when I interviewed Ogre he afterwards was like, well, that was a great interview. Um, what's this for? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a documentary that I'm thinking about. Um, you know, but, and he looked at me and was like, 
you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is good. And you're just going to keep going. And I believe in you. And I mean, I think I was like 28 or something at the time. And I was just like, oh, okay, Ogre said I had to do it. So <laughs> I was just going to, you know, and I made that film yeah. um, against all odds. It was very low budget and it was, you know, it did really well. And it was, it was such a big part of my life. And I haven't made a film since then because I feel like I only get the having a, like making a film where you're funding a lot of it and doing a lot of it yourself is almost as demanding as having a baby. Yeah. And I had a kid and was like, I can't do that at the same time. And now that my kid's a bit older, I was like, I feel like I have the space in my life for that. But it's everything. Like, you don't stop working for one minute of the day. You're thinking about your project. You're growing this huge thing and you're worried about it. It's just, you know, you're putting it out into the world and... All you do is think about this project, and for me, that's the kind of filmmaker I am. So I can't make films all the time. Yeah. Like, I really make... And I like to make films that are close to me and, like, have my perspective in them so that I feel like I'm not just making this for no reason. Like, I want to document life as I see it and and how the people around me see it, and and I hope something really useful comes out of the art, Mm -hmm. you know? Something that can be used for... as a statement. Mm-hmm. And with No Fun City, it did. I mean, we affected venue legislation in the city. We All kinds of stuff happened because of the film, and that was why it was so important to make. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many people agreed to be in it, kind of like with this project, too, mm-hmm. is that there's such a will for this to get out there. And so, yeah. you know... I was going to say, I think there are a lot of parallels, yeah. like you were saying, between like the punk scene and your like anti-gentrification um, doc, and then this... Um, witchcraft, which is again, it's very punk. It's about disruption, but also about community. And it's inherently yeah. anti-capitalist and anti-fascist. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of how, like, my progression in my own life is like mirroring the progression, like you know, the projects yeah. that I decide to kind of dedicate everything of my, my all of my energy to. So, like, that's why, like, I, I like to be genuine. Like, almost to a fault. Maybe it's a Montreal thing, but we don't like bullshit. You know? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> One thing you'll notice if you ever come to Montreal. <laughs> you will probably have a new best friend within 48 hours. Yeah. And she might be a mean auntie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So what's the next step? I know you're in process right now. What's what's your next move? Are you just going to hoard interviews until you well, get the budget to... Yeah, so we don't have... Um, I guess we're at a point now where we're waiting to hear back to see if this film is something that could be funded by a more mainstream um, broadcaster funding agency or whatever. Um, and if not then it's going to be probably not look as good (laughs) because we've been really fortunate to work with this, you know, an incredible team and an amazing camera and to keep up that look and that um, quality that we Mm. really want to put into this project costs a lot of money. So we're at this weird kind of wait and see period. Um, but we also really want to develop um, our stories. So we don't want this to be um, talking heads telling you about right. what's happening in the world. You can go on the Internet for that. So um, a big part of what we're trying to do now is to take that um, kind of feel, like look and feel that we've developed um, and 
shoot with characters for longer periods of time mm-hmm. um, so that we get to know them, so that we get to learn about uh, their craft through them and we get to learn about the stakes through their personal journeys. And uh, so that's what we're hoping to do. And I, I think we'll probably be doing shooting with Ilva, um, who I, I live out west and she's not far, and that becomes like... Um, just a story that we've, uh, or in a person that means a lot to us, but a story that we've been following for a long time. And uh, and then Dr. Beverly is also someone that we would like to do some more immersive stuff with. So we'll see. It all depends on, you know, lighting those green candles and <laughs> okay, <laughs> sending so the energy out, everybody. <laughs> Let's end with um, a spell or an incantation or a summoning together, okay? Okay. Just like wherever you are, light a little green candle. Please. Light a little, like, like put some coins out, put some money out, put some fancy money out. And just let's all, um, you're listening to this on the January full moon. And the fullness of the year is sort of fat with promise with us in this moment right now. And we have this image of these lights of witches all lit up all over the world. Mm-hmm. And we have this witch filmmaker here with us in her voice <laughs> and her story and her labor and her effort and her energy and her sweat and her tears and her motherhood all bringing her work to tell our story. And all of our own stories want to be told and we all want to tell them in the fullest of flourishing. So breathe in and feel that flame and send her your energy and love and feel her sending it back to you in your fullest flourishing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Happy uh, January full moon. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone who is listening who is following along with this, we thank you. We have so much gratitude. And all we want is this, you know, we want to be able to tell the story in the most honest, genuine way possible. And we love you. Thank you. (laughs) I will post all the links to her website and her Instagram and everywhere that you can start to see this documentation that they've been gathering for all of us of our our movement. In the meantime, you're on Instagram at Witch Documentary. Yeah. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So please, everyone, go follow them. Get them some heavy numbers so that when they go to the capitalist, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> when they go into capitalism to try to get some of that sweet, sweet capital, yeah. they'll have some numbers behind them. I know. Because that's the only thing they understand. It does seem daunting. You're like, we're asking the people for money to show them the reason why this is all wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, good luck with that. Just give us the money to take apart your system, sir. Yes. And good day. But again, exactly. I mean, let's go back around to that interview that you had with the... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they said that your documentary about witchcraft was quote too political mm-hmm. and that they wanted to make something lighter mm-hmm. oh. I mean I don't want to throw anyone under the bus or any other projects I really believe there's room out there for like 10 documentaries about witches there is exactly a hundred mm-hmm. there are so many different angles stories and I'm sure that the story that they come up with will be a genuine but I think like 
we are living in a really fucked up world right now, and we're seeing a resurgence of witchcraft because of that. And so to remove that element of um, politics from the story is kind of doing a huge disservice to Mm -hmm. what we're all out here trying to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to say that there aren't other ways of, of, you know, I don't want to just bitch. I don't want to... I, I feel like, you know... There should be lots of different ways to look at this, but the most important way right now is um, hex the patriarchy and, yeah, yeah. and fucking mean it. <laughs> you know, there's a reason we're all out here doing this, and there's a reason we're connecting and trying to make groups, and we're activists, and we're at protests, but we're also doing healing work and taking care of each other, and that's the real story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, not 90s. Uh, Morticia Adams, goth witch Wiccans, that's done. That's not what the witch is about at all anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. and it's not multi-level marketing selling you essential oils. Oh, it's definitely oh, not Oh, no, that. it's not that. <laughs> it's not that no, guys. no. And it's gritty, and maybe that scares people. And, and It's but, harder to sell, like, here's some fury-making <laughs> horrible <laughs> exactly. versus like, oh, just cover your ears and everything's going to be and good vibes only. Here are some characters you can't probably relate to because <laughs> their lives and stories are way more intense than yours, but that's the beauty of documentary is like being able to open up those worlds for people, yeah. and it creates empathy, and that's like why you do it too, right? Yeah. Um, anyone talking about the subject is going to bring something good, mm-hmm. you know? There's mm-hmm. something good's going to come out of it, but for us, yeah, maybe... We're scaring people a little bit, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's where I want to be. That's where I feel comfortable as a filmmaker. You know, the more funders that say no, sometimes you're like, okay, good, I'm yeah, doing the right yeah. thing. Because if they were like, oh, cool, then you're like, hmm, what story am I telling? Because they shouldn't be that ready to jump in. Right. The documentary that everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Witches are pretty and everything's fine. Let's pretend that's true for just one second. Let's take two seconds on this January full moon to just pretend everything's fine. Okay, now back to Fury. <laughs> Thank you so much, Melissa. Can you shout out your creative partner one more time? Yes, Sarah Sharkey Pierce. So she is my partner on this project. She's an amazing queer filmmaker, activist, um, super talented, brilliant person who is half of this project. She is, you know, this is not just me. She yeah. is the total other half of me on this on this journey. She's been there since the very beginning. So she couldn't be here today, but she's always with me. So let's say her name one more time. Sarah Sharkey Pierce. Sharky. Sharky. That's how she goes by Sharky. Oh, Sharky. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Melissa. We wish you all the best of luck and fortune and good vibes and fury. Yes, all the fury. (laughs) And hopefully this shit gets made and all of our listeners can... It will, like one way or another, it will. Yeah. It's just how what you know how it will what, how it'll take shape is what we're waiting to find out now. And you know, I think that that's a pretty good metaphor for life. It's gonna <laughs> True. keep going. It's just as how it's gonna take shape. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thank Melissa. You. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Thank full you. moon, everybody. Happy full moon. We are many, and we will not be silent. Be a witch. 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 You must be a witch. <laughs>